Hello and welcome to the sound of the start of your weekend. This is the Not The Top 20 podcast betting show, sponsored by Betfair. And it's me, Ali Maxwell, and him, George Ellick, making betting picks ahead of an EFL full slate this weekend. This podcast is for over 18s only. And not only that, we ask that everyone listening that's thinking of placing a bet this time or ever, be gamble aware. That means understanding the risks that come with gambling, never betting more than you can afford to lose, and never chasing your losses. George, those words hit different after a week in which we both got zero out of four picks and the BTTS six-fold didn't come in. Painful. Two bagels. Yeah, just a bit gutted, to be honest. Mm. It was difficult. But yeah, a couple of ones that looked okay. Argyle were ahead at Sunderland at halftime. Lost 3-1. Rob, uh, Rob the Velociraptor um, scored four minutes into the game in midweek, after having not scored. Bad week, but we sit here and give ourselves a mighty pat on the back when we do well. So yeah. I guess you have to sit here and punch ourselves in the face when we, when we do badly. That's what I've been doing. An absolutely wounding week and three minus fives in the last five weeks for me, which is bad form, is painful. Trust me. You know, me and the boys in the dressing room are working as hard as we can to turn this run around. I would do immoral things for a nap winner this weekend. I would do things that would make people think less of me for a nap winner this weekend. Okay. And so does it make me feel better or worse that this is a double nap? Double nap. Double nap. Hmm. And it's an old favourite, a recent favourite of ours, Cheltenham Town. Why are Imagine we napping telling up? us that back in October... Yeah, that Cheltenham Town being our nap was going to end up being like a staple of the betting show this season. That would have seemed crazy, but, but that's the motion of the ocean in the EFL. But isn't he- it? Here we are. Yeah, um, twenty-one to twenty. They are um, at home to Port Vale mm. on Saturday. Now Cheltenham are still in the relegation zone. Cheltenham are still trying to climb out of it, and this is an incredibly important game in their quest to do so because they're playing another side who recently dropped into the relegation zone, and that is uh, Port Vale. Uh, Port Vale and Cheltenham seasons have been chalk and cheese. Cheltenham started the season with one of the worst starts in football history. Port Vale started like a train under Andy Crosby, and everyone got very excited. They're now separated by just two points. Um, Port Vale in 21st, Cheltenham 22nd. Port Vale having played one game fewer. Um, But if Cheltenham do win this game, they will move above Port Vale. Um, And in my mind, probably not to be seen again. There is a bit of kind of news to bring up on this one. Port Vale have uh, appointed Darren Moore, who signs an incredibly long contract as Port Vale manager. Um, And that long term, you think might be quite a good appointment. Um, But I don't really think it has any relevance in the conversation about this game on Saturday. It's kind of too early for it to really matter or to mean anything. Um, Cheltenham it's one of those where it feels like a coup in terms of CV because the last time we saw Darren Moore at this level last season he was taking Sheffield Wednesday into the championship but that's almost incomparable to the Port Vale job right now and his tenure at Huddersfield is arguably more relevant to the job that he inherits on this short term level and for me that was pretty unconvincing I would say the job that is most comparable is the Doncaster job yeah which he did well yeah it wouldn't surprise me massively if he is someone who thrives managing a I don't want to say poorer standard of player but like he's someone who might do well with with 
that kind of profile of club where there isn't massive expectation around um around well within the fan base there will be a reliance on um good loans mm. of which he will be able to i think do pretty well and develop players which is what happened at Doncaster this is a Monday pod chat what are we doing these people don't care what we think about Darren Moore uh, we'll get to that on Monday um, Cheltenham come into this fresh off back to back wins that was after three defeats in a row there wasn't much to really get too concerned about in those defeats and that was shown by going to Chel- uh, sorry to Cambridge beating them 1-0 and then putting in their best performance of the season probably mm. uh, in a 2-0 win over Blackpool in midweek where they beat them 2-0 and it could have been more they restricted Blackpool to basically nothing from an attacking standpoint they created loads of chances uh, Elliot Bond scored both of the goals they were totally um, deserving of their 2-0 win and that means that Blackpool are added to Oxford Portsmouth Cambridge and Shrewsbury have been scalps at uh, the Johnny Rocks um, this season and that is incredibly impressive from from Daryl Clark and I, I kind of think that Port Vale in their in their current guise are quite clearly a much easier opposition, I would say, compared to what we've seen for the most part um, in terms of the, the teams at Charlton, sorry, that Cheltenham have beaten recently. Their away form has been pretty poor for quite a long time now. Um, again, I, I think, and I've been saying this for weeks now, I think Cheltenham are at the very worst playing as a mid-table team. And I think if you were to have, say, a Blackpool or a Bristol Rovers or someone of that, Ilk playing at home against Port Vale right now, they would be odds on, and rightly so. So, um, yeah, I can see that I've I haven't done the correct uh, well, sponsor's name. We're going to have to do an apology here. Uh, <laughs> apology to uh, completely Suzuki, who have paid probably a, a, a hefty sum to sponsor Cheltenham's home stadium, the Johnny Rocks. I mean, it's sad that that name became rightly quite iconic because it's an unusual stadium name and it really rolls off the tongue quite nicely the Johnny Rocks but I have no idea what that brand does no. or sells but, but, and it's also a stadium that it's the Johnny Rocks but it's also Wadden Road I know I know them both like it's not like it's kind of compete completely Johnny Rocks is chauffeurs luxury chauffeur hire why did they think that sponsoring the Cheltenham Stadium was going to be... That seems really That's weird. crazy. Give me a Suzuki any day. Uh, Cheltenham at home to Vale, a double nap at 21-20 to 20 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Uh, Cheltenham's home form, the last, the last nine league games, five wins, two draws, two defeats. Port Vale's away form, the last nine games, one win, three draws, nine defeats, scoring only five goals in that time. They've not got a lot up front, Vale, and that's not the case for Cheltenham. Now... They're very good defensively. That's probably their, where they put their best foot forward. This, the second best XG against number at home in the last four months, broadly since Daryl Clark took charge and got his feet under the table. Going forward, you know, you watch them. The style is is rudimentary, but it's effective. Uh, there's four strikers in rotation, uh, running all day. Keener has been talked up recently despite a goal drought. Matty Taylor has come in and, and scored a couple, a couple of really nice strikes. Uh, they score goals from set plays, as we saw in midweek. They've got goals from Liam Serkham in midfield, as we've seen in the last month. So there's, you know, I, I am ahead of next season. I would need to f- be convinced that Cheltenham uh, would improve their attacking play in order to be convinced that they'll be a top half team, shall we say. But there's enough there to keep the goals column ticking over and, and Vale, that's where they've struggled massively. I see, when I think of Cheltenham right now, weirdly this morning, there's a quote that Christopher Walken's character, uh, a speech he gives in the film Catch Me If You Can, and he says, two little mice fell in a bucket of cream. Mm. 
The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he churned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. That's the vibe I get from Daryl Clark's Cheltenham this season. And I think in beating Vale this weekend, as we think that they will at 21 to 20, the cream will turn to butter and they will get one paw. Do mice have paws? They'll get a paw on the rim of that bucket and they'll start climbing out of it. Next best? Huddersfield at home to Hull. Um, in the Hudarby. Another one in the Hudarby. Mm. Another one that would have really confused me um, a while back. Um, not the Hudarby, but the fact I'm choosing um, Huddersfield. Uh, they're Just 11- constantly surprising yourself, they're, aren't you? They're it must 11- be delightful. <laughs> She's got to be malleable in this game. Yeah. Uh, they're 11-5 to five to win the game and are going through a run of form that I think isn't that far away from really putting them in a strong position to not just um, pull their way, not not just basically survive this season, but also pull themselves away from the, the relegation zone entirely. They've lost just one of their last six games. Um, that was a 5-3 defeat at Southampton where they were 2-0 up at half-time and they were 3-2 up uh, with about 25 minutes or even less, I think, 15 minutes still to play. Um, either side of that 5-3 defeat is the 4-0 home win against Sheffield Wednesday. The 1-0 home win in midweek against Sunderland through Matty Pearson. They went to Q- QPR in Darren Moore's last game and they were, drew the game one all, but they were value to, to, in terms of their performance itself to get more from it. Um, so Jonathan Worthington, their uh, caretaker manager, is doing a quite remarkable mm. job. I think John Worthington is what he goes by rather than Jonathan, but I'll, I'll say whatever you I want. You don't know him like that yet. Correct. Um Woodgate is Jonathan, so why wouldn't Worthington be? Yeah. Um, he's, I mean, whether it's we can credit him or whether this was coming anyway, and, and the signs from that QPR game uh, was that Huddersfield were, were trending in the right direction anyway, but there has been quite a clear and obvious shift in their um, performances where they are really defensively resolute. You know, for them to go ahead after 35 minutes at home to Sunderland and then really not be that that tested to to a great degree, and continue, continue to offer a fair bit going forward. It was only very late in that game that Sunderland created um, a couple of opportunities to, to maybe get an equaliser. Uh, and they're facing up against the Hull side here, who are woefully out of form. Now, we'll talk about Hull's game in midweek. Probably it's, it's one of those things where when do we talk about it? Because by Monday, Filler Jean's Rabona goal mm. will be a thing of the past. And I know that you feel very strongly indeed that it's a Jaden Filler Jean Disgrace? Jaden Philogene disgrace. <laughs> but that's... Um, I don't want to talk about it. Okay, fine. Um, but, you know, they went to Rotherham, they went behind um, early on to Christ and <laughs> to Christ Yehi. And they, um, yeah, I mean, they came forward as you'd expect. They put a lot of pressure on the team currently 24th in the league and they eventually got their breakthrough through what was an own goal. You know, a deflected cross, as good as a cross was. And then new signing Noah Ohio got the, got the second. But they were not convincing in that game. They haven't been convincing, I would say, now for quite a while. Um, when you look at the... Um, I know they've won three from their last four, but even against Millwall and Sunderland, they weren't at their best. They were beaten 1-0 um, and looked pretty poor going forward against Swansea. In the two games prior to the win against Sunderland, they lost to, to Norwich and Sheffield Wednesday. Like Those three wins, to me, the, the, the blueprint for those wins, the processes for them... 
don't to my eyes in terms of performance level suggest a team that are going to continue to to to, to win games unless they improve. And I think in Huddersfield they've got a really difficult opposition here. So I'm not far off thinking Huddersfield should be favourites for this game, to be honest, based on on performances over the last four games. Now, that's tempered by the fact that Hull have more quality mm. and and are, and are the better team over the over the course of the season and would be again if the season started now. But in terms of where both teams are right now, I think Huddersfield are performing better and at home should be favourites to win this. I respect you. Thank you. Salford draw no bet at home to Barrow is my next best in League Two. Uh, this is at 19 to 20. So we've had a 21 to 20 nap, 19 to 20 next best. I'm just trying to grind one out here. I feel like uh, in, a, in a period of poor form, just build from the back. Just start grinding and, and then you can add a bit of uh, quality and fluidity on top of that if you've earned the right to play. And I need to earn the right to play. Uh, Salford are unbeaten in seven under Carl Robinson. Four of those have been away from home as well. So really impressive start to Robinson's tenure at Salford. You know, we all get very caught up in what are broadly subjective ideas of fit when it comes to managers and clubs, because evidence suggests it's very hard to predict how a manager and a club will will work and and what will be successful and what won't be. Having said that, Carl Robinson and Salford feels right. And so far, it's looking right too. Three wins and four draws. They have drawn the last two games with Donny and with Swindon. They had to come from behind in both of those games. Uh, so not their best maybe in the last few games, but probably a reflection on how much better that they, uh, how much better they are as a, as a team at getting results under Robinson than they were previously, that they didn't lose those games uh, and did get those late equalisers. The injury issues that haunted Neil Wood for the first half of the season have eased off massively they're they're able to fill their bench now with senior players that aren't a big drop off from the starters and and that wasn't the case for for long periods of this season I think they're building partnerships through the middle of the pitch uh, Cairns in goal with Tilt and Vassell regular starting centre-backs now uh, Elliot Watt and Watson in central midfield have started the last three games together Callum Hendry's back from injury started the first game in five months uh, in midweek him and McElhenney I think will share that sort of second striker role with with big Matt Smith who is still a gigantic threat in both senses uh, this season uh, they play a Barrow side two wins in 10 for them with four draws and four defeats I saw them last week at Wimbledon my nap famously that was one of my worst naps of the season it was a it was a bit of a nothing game to be honest w- Wimbledon didn't create loads Barrow didn't look horrendous defensively but they created absolutely nothing and Wimbledon took you know, two of their first two or three shots went in uh, and Barrow didn't offer much. They then followed that up with a, a defeat at home to Forest Green in midweek. So a few little alarm bells flashing. The performances, I don't believe, are horrendous, but they aren't clicking going forward at the moment. So it's one of those where they've added Cole Stockton in the January transfer window. He is starting at, over Dom Telford, quite often starting with a, a Ben Whitfield supporting him. And for whatever reason, there's no partnership being built and it's not working in the final third at the moment. So they need to work that out. They're always in pretty good shape out of possession. I don't see them getting battered here, but they have been conceding quite sloppy goals recently. So pressure's on on Barrow to to sort of uh, refine their form. And I think this is just a really tough assignment for them. This this pick is mainly about Salford. I feel that we're looking at a team that's probably about, I would rate them at the moment as a top seven team, a playoff team, playing well for a new manager with, as we know, a strong group of players. 
And although Barrow are tough not to crack, which is why I want to take the draw out of play, I feel like 1.95, 19 to 20 is, is a great price draw no bet for, for this informed Salford team. So that's with the Betfair Sportsbook. They're all f- also offering the 90-minute payout option this season. This is uh, the Match Odds 90 market. Uh, markets with a 90 option on the Betfair Sportsbook app or, or website. It means if the team you bet on is winning when the clock hits 90, it will be paid out as a winner, even if they concede an equaliser in injury time. You can build match hackers with the match odds 90 market as well. Make sure you read the T's and C's to understand, but for, for certain people, it'd be a nice insurance to have knowing that at 90 minutes, you know, call it a winner if your team's leading, and even if they concede that equaliser, you've already been paid out as a winner. That's the match odds 90 market. George, who's your goal scorer this week? I'm backing Sam Greenwood at 6-1 to one to score any time uh, for Middlesbrough at Leicester. Um, Leicester rightfully very short for this. Middlesbrough undergoing, well, going through a, a really poor run of form yes. at the moment. But I can't really get away from the fact that Sam Greenwood has been playing up front basically every game since Morgan Rogers left. Um, and even though he isn't scoring goals right now, he's getting into goal-scoring opportunities fairly regularly. Playing against the Leicester side, who we know um, will... We know their style of play. We know that, especially at home, they are pretty solid um, defensively. But we also know that the team that Borough are, where Borough are an attacking side, and we know that Borough aren't going to sit in and allow Leicester to to dictate and, and will attempt to uh, just suffocate. They'll take the game to Leicester. They beat Leicester at the Riverside, crucially, a few months ago. So they're one of the few teams that have done it. And it's absolutely imperative they do it again because, because of their recent poor form, because they lost to Preston in midweek 2-1. It's getting to the stage now where they have to win games because they're being left behind. You know, they're not even the top half right now. They're seven points off Coventry in sixth with a lot of teams sitting in between them. So, yeah, I, I even though I, I wouldn't necessarily be rushing to back Borough at the kind of four to one that they are, I do think this is a game where a team who are a big price will offer some attacking threat and the player who's going to start up front through the middle in all likelihood being six to one just to score any time mm. seems like a, a huge price. We know that he's got quality as well. Like he's a he's a very good player. He's someone who should thrive in this kind of environment, which will be a, a game of football that will look like a Premier League game rather than a, a scrappy game, which which should help. So yeah, six to one seems like a huge price to me. Might look like a basketball game with the way the two teams play. Maybe. There'll be a lot of transition attacks. Mm. And that's actually going to lead me into my long shot. Because my long shot is Leicester Middlesbrough over 3.5, no, over 4.5 goals. Is one of them going to be Sam Greenwood? I would love it to be Sam Greenwood. Thank you. Uh, Maybe yeah, he could get the fifth. That'd be nice. That would be incredible. That would be a really. That would be. 4 the, 1. We're the only people that care. If the betting gods <laughs> want to just give us a little gift, Sam Greenwood scoring the fifth goal at Filbert Street. No, <laughs> that's a different place. <laughs> Would be lovely. Uh, yeah, over 4.5 goals in Leicester and Borough. George has, has summed up a lot of, of my thinking here in terms of the style of play, in terms of Borough's attacking threat despite their poor form. Um, Borough's away games in the Championship this season have averaged 3.8 goals, which is an incredibly high number. And it's 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 no coincidence. It's because when they play away from home, teams won't just sit in and uh, and and do the thing that they hate, which is you know invite them onto them, uh, sit deep and, and deny them uh, space in the final third. Leicester certainly won't do that in a home game. And Borough can score goals. The problem is they're really poor at defending, and they they have a really poor defensive personality inside their penalty box. They're not particularly strong, uh, and I'm sure Leicester will will exploit that as well. Uh, Borough's away games this season have included. 
Uh, Scorelines of 3-2 against Leeds, 4-2 against West Brom, 2-1 against Norwich, 3-0 against Cov, 4-0 against Sunderland, 3-2 against Bristol City, 3-2 against Watford, 3-all away at Plymouth. These are all Borough away games this season. It leads me to think that this could be a bit of a basketball game, a bit of a shootout. Um, Leicester are, for want of a less annoying phrase, absolutely vibing right now. It feels like whatever they do and however they play, they will win. And I think that they are naturally full of confidence, enjoying um, enjoying the risk that their style of play puts on them. And the reward. And certainly enjoying the reward, <laughs> my friend. Uh, so, yeah, I, they do give away opportunities and there are teams that can make that hurt for them. I think Borough are one of them. Um, so, although they miss Rodgers, although they miss Latilath, hopefully Greenwood can, can put one in. He scored a, a screamer of a free, free kick in the reverse fixture, which Borough won. Uh, they're a very attack-minded team, Borough, even if they're in poor form. So I'm thinking goals, Leicester Borough, over 4.5 at 4-1 to is my long shot. Then I've got a long shot for my goal scorer pick. Uh, Nat Phillips of Cardiff, away at Norwich. I would not be backing Cardiff to win this game, but as I've said a few times on the Monday pod recently, they are somehow a very good set-piece team and very poor in, in open play. Um Nat Phillips is 70 to 1 to score first with the Betfair Sportsbook. He's 30 to 1 to score any time. And I'm going to put half a point on the 70 to 1, half a point on the 30 to 1. I just don't think it, it can be ignored, really, because Cardiff have scored the most set piece goals in the championship 16. They're the best team in terms of goals from set pieces by, by a pretty decent margin. Uh, that's mostly been Gutas and McGuinness, who have, I think, six between them. Add Perry and G to that. You've got nine between those players from these situations. Uh, McGuinness is out for a couple of months. And Nat Phillips, who joined in January, uh, has slotted straight in. He's played the last two games. Um, per Opta, Norwich have conceded the second highest XG from set pieces this season. So there's a little bit of uh, another reason there to, to back this. Um, he's had two shots in two games. He's just a big old boy who wins a lot in the air. Uh, and I think if Cardiff have any joy against Norwich, it's likely to come from set-piece situations. And at this price, you know, McGuinness, if he was fit, would be so much shorter than this. And I don't think there's any particular reason why Phillips couldn't, um, you know, provide the same set-piece goal threat as, as McGuinness. So Phillips, Nat Phillips, 30-1 to anytime, 70-1, to first goal scorer, half a point on each for my goal scorer pick. What's your long shot? My long shot isn't that long. Uh, Lincoln against Exeter. Lincoln Exeter minus to one and Winternil. Both of them. Lincoln minus one and Winternil. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So that is 4.72 to one. In order to back it, you have to go onto the bet builder yes. on the Betfair Sportsbook and add both selections. So it's Lincoln minus one BTTS. No. So effectively, Link- Lincoln to win 2 0, 3 0, 4 0, 5 0, 6 0, 7 0, 8 0, 9 0. I mean, 10-0, you'll still win, but we're getting a bit silly. Um, yeah, I, I, with Lincoln, I was initially... There is precedent for a team to score nine in the in the EFL. Well, that's why I went up to nine. But 10 is I mean, stupid. The fact that Mansfield has scored nine with like 20 minutes to go and then just glitched and couldn't score another one tells you that it's just, it's just not happening. Um, was it not the glitch in the first place that meant that they kept doing these insane like perfect back heels no and then great finishing that's just good football mate. that was the glitching that was just cluffy cluff the magic dragon mm-hmm. um, yeah Michael Scabala came into Lincoln and immediately worked on their defence to the extent where they were just not conceding any chances in games really um, but that was coupled with a real lack of firepower and I was sitting watching being like this is all 
well and good, but you're, you know, you've got to have some kind of attacking output in order to make this work. And the recruitment has been pretty good. And it means that they've now got some attacking threat, um, even though he is yet to score for them. Uh, Joe Taylor's come in um, and has been looked pretty lively uh, up front. And they've generally kind of looked a bit better in, in recent weeks. And they're up against an Exeter side who, you know, last time on the road, they beat Wigan 2-1. But if you actually look at the, the way that that game went, Exeter created very little in the game and scored with two deflected efforts. Um, and they were then well beaten by by Derby in the game before that, um, 3-0. And, and I'm just, I still think, and there might be a bit of complacency coming in here as they've, a couple of wins has moved them, not out of, but away from the, you know, they're out of the relegation zone, but they're not out of the relegation picture. Um, but I think Lincoln are operating as a better side right now. And I kind of think it's a matter of time until they, they really put a team to the sword. Yes, they were 1-0 down against Fleetwood, but they came back and won that game 2-1, having had a man sent off. It's been a long time since they've been beaten. They kept clean sheets at home against Derby and Peterborough, who are two of the best attacking teams in the league. Um, so the, the clean sheet, to me, feels like the easy part here. I, I don't think Exeter are going to be able to cause Lincoln too many issues and, and will probably be relying on uh, some kind of, you know, It'll be, it would be a deflection of or something of that kind if they are to uh, find a way to score. And that's obviously not d- definitive, but that's the way it looks from from here. Um, and I reckon Lincoln should win this, this one fairly comfortably. So yeah, Lincoln minus one and BTTS no. Cool. Let's put this BTTS yes slate to the sword. I'll go first. We've got a sixfold. Uh, it's at 29.87, so just under 29 to 1 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Uh, I'm going to start in League 1. Wickham against Oxford. BTTS, yes please. Uh, Oxford have attacking threats. Do they always look that convincing? No, they don't. Is Mark Harris in quite good form? Yes, he is. Do players like Tyler Goodrum, Josh Murphy, Cameron Brannigan, to name but a few, always offer some form of goal threat, even if the team isn't playing that well? Yes, I believe that they do. Asking myself a lot of rhetoricals here. <laughs> uh, but did Wickham look really good going forward, even in midweek, in losing to Bolton? It was notable watching those highlights, how good they looked in an attacking sense. Something has changed in the last few weeks. A little bit of confidence as the poor run has ended. And Wickham back in business. They put five past Peterborough last weekend. I think they'll score against Oxford in this one. The not a derby derby. It's the not a derby, not a derby derby. Okay. That could go on indefinitely. Um, why do you need to add another one? I've already said it's not a derby derby. No, because that, that suggests that the fact it's not a derby makes it a derby, but like that's even giving it too much clout as being a derby. I think the way that you're acting makes it perfectly not why a derby Why does everyone derby. want to have derbies at Oxford? We've got one rival, that's it. Me thinks the lady doth protest too much. Um, Orient Burton. This one's at odds against. Unusual for a BTTS. Yes, in this goalsy EFL. It's because Burton don't score that much and their numbers are quite bad. But I think they can hurt but, uh, an Orient team who have got a very good defensive record recently. I was just really impressed. Uh, last weekend, Burton's performance going forward. Uh, Adamola Ola Adabomi has really excited me. The Crystal Palace loney scored a lot of goals in PL2. Um, and he drops down to Burton, instantly looks like a massive handful and a, and a big threat. Uh, he played up front with Mason Bennett and they played really well together. They can bring on Carl Hudlin, the six foot nine giant. 
Uh, Joe Hugill was missing from last match day squad, but he made a good start, uh, the, the Manchester United loanee. So I, I think Orient are the likely winners. They're short to win this game and, and the long prices because they've got a great defensive record recently. But conceded, what was it, three to Cobblers in midweek? So certainly fallible to an extent. Missing defenders through injury. Uh, I think BTTS, yes, Orient Burton at 2.1 is a good thing. And another one in League One, Fleetwood against Barnsley. Uh, Barnsley have done me well here. Uh, 12 out of 13 BTTS yes in the league. Only one of their last 13 has been a BTTS no. So 1.65 is, is short. But this is also about Fleetwood. Um, might surprise you to hear that Fleetwood, per Opta, have the 11th best open play XG in League One this season and the 6th best set piece XG in League One this wow. season. Make that make sense. I can't. Charlie Adams set pieces. What are your three? Um, Millwall Sheffield Wednesday is nearly, well, it's basically 10 to 11, which is a huge price. Again, it just feels like uh, even though both these managers have been in charge for quite a long time now, it hasn't really reset in terms of the way both of them set up to play. Wednesday, a fairly ultra-attacking, I would say, under Danny Rowell these days, especially the lineups he puts out always with at least four attacking players on the pitch, and they look to play on the front foot where possible. And even Millwall under Joe Edwards, like not going through a, a particularly good time of it at the moment, but I would say that they're... Um, before, you know, the, the way they're set up for games is, again, very front-footed. The days of them being a passive team um, out of possession are, are over. Even in the 4-0 defeat against Ipswich at home in midweek, they offered a fair bit going forward. BTTS copped, obviously, in the 2-1 um, loss at Coventry prior to that and the one all draw against against Preston. So seems like a, a big old price for that one. And then two obvious ones, I'd say, in League 2. Grimsby Donny, uh, Grimsby Artel, what more do you need uh, at the moment? They look to play really expansively. They're not doing particularly well right now. It's yielding a lot of goals, uh, especially conceding a lot at home, but they do offer an attacking threat as well. And then Donny um, picking up a few important wins at the moment, a high-scoring game, obviously, in midweek, uh, a 3-2 game. Um, and again, a, a manager, despite their, them being uh, low in the table, certainly an attacking-minded manager who sets his team out to play a certain way. Crew Harrogate, the next one, and this is another very obvious one. Harrogate off the back of a 9-2 defeat. Uh, still a, a team who had goals following them around everywhere. And this, you can say the same about Crew, another ultra-attacking side. So Millwall, Sheffield Wednesday, Grimsby, Doncaster and Crew, Harrogate, my three. Let's see how we go this week. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this betting show and hopefully uh, we can just get one in off our backside, as they say, uh, and have a better week this week. Uh, thank you to Betfair for sponsoring this podcast. To recap the BTTS sixfold, Leighton Orient v Burton, BTTS, yes. Also Fleetwood, Barnsley and Wickham, Oxford in League One. Uh, in League Two, Crew and Harrogate, BTTS, yes. Grimsby and Doncaster, BTTS, yes. Millwall, Sheffield, Wednesday as well in the championship. The sixfold paying just under 29 to one. Uh, my picks are Cheltenham, Double nap at home to Vale, 21 to 20. Next best, Salford, draw no bet at home to Barrow. My goal scorer is Nat Phillips of Cardiff away at Norwich. Half a point, 70 to 1 first, half a point, 30 to 1. Any time and my long shot is over 4.5 goals in Leicester against Borough at 4 to 1. My nap is also Cheltenham at 21 to 20 at home to Port Vale. Huddersfield at 11 to 5. At home to Hull is my next best. Sam Greenwood at 6 to 1 for Middlesbrough to score any time at Leicester is my goal scorer and then Lincoln minus one and BTTS no is my long shot of 4.72 to one you can find that using the bet builder on the Betfair Sportsbook whatever happens this weekend we hope that you have a cracker go out 